0: that Linux is fun, and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee.
1: And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England.
0: Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you.
1: The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't.
0: I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or MacOS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and will also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest, Episode 7, recording on October 30th, 2019. For this show, we decided to review Open Mandriva LX4 and MX Linux 19. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo based distros. Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. I've been extremely blessed with two new machines, both System76 models, a Galico Pro 2 and a Kudu 3. I now have better machines than I've ever owned and look forward to using the Kudu in reviews starting, well, this month actually. Both these machines came from listener Jackie Moore in Nashville, who has been supportive of me since I began being a co-host at Mintcast. I have managed to get Linux Mint 19.2, Ubuntu Budgie 19.10, Perl Desktop 8, Q4 OS, and Bodhi 5.0.0. Just yesterday, still have a tweak or two to do on the Galago Pro. Plenty of room, but I think I'll leave it there. Five is enough. (laughs) The Kudu is being used as my distro-hopping machine from midway through October into the future, as we suggested back when I was hoping to get a new machine and I would like to thank everyone who has chipped in or given me some sort of support on acquiring the new machine and various other bits. I had an interesting excursion through Grubland on the Galago Pro 2 this month when I attempted to add Unity Desktop to the Ubuntu Mate install. This resulted in some very wacky behavior, and I decided it was time to install Ubuntu Budgie 19.10 instead. The result of this was my boot menu looked good, but gave an error that I needed to load the kernel first. Because of my prior experiences in Grub, I knew to hit the Escape key, which brought me to a Grub prompt, and I typed Exit. Amazingly, this brought me to an old saved Grub menu from the earlier Ubuntu Mate 1904 installation. It took a while and some fumbling around, but I finally tried booting into the Ubuntu Mate 19.04 selection on the alternate Grub menu just mentioned, and after much thought, it managed to load Ubuntu Budgie 19.10 instead. I then installed Grub Customizer from this repo, saved it, and the newly generated Grub menu worked on reboot. All this has been reported to System76, they'd never seen anything like it before, and while they closed the ticket, they are keeping all the evidence of it happening. Also, my wife and I have both been having problems where PIA locks us out of a website we're trying to load, and we have to change nodes. This has been going on for the entire two months we've had the service. We have decided to go back to Molvad, which is still a bit cheaper on a month-to-month billing, when the current month runs out November 2nd. So, Tony, what's been going on with you? You?
1: OK, well, the last month has uh, been a bit up and down, as you uh, some people may know. The major up that was that I was able to attend the Friday and Saturday uh, of Og Camp. I got to meet uh, quite a lot of uh, people from the Linux community, including our friend Oliver, who guest hosted on Mintcast a few months ago. Uh, And he's also a big supporter of this show.
0: Alan Pope had something to say about that, too. (laughs) (laughs) In a private conversation that I probably should leave private.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. But on a down note, I wasn't able to stay uh, on the Sunday because of uh, several family bereavements. uh, Because I had to go to Glasgow this Sunday afternoon. Uh, to get to two funerals, one on the Monday and one on the Tuesday. I seem to be at that point in life where I meet up with family members at funerals rather than weddings. So as they say, that's life. On a more pleasant note, I've developed a new passion for watching YouTube videos of people ref- refurbishing old diecast model cars and the like. There are some fantastic videos out there, but one of my go-to channels is Marty's Matchbox Makeovers, and I've put a link in the show notes to that. He isn't the most followed channel, he only has 103,000 followers, but he is true to the spirit of the old Matchbox toys of my childhood, and as a result of this I've been buying some of the old models on eBay and recently sent him a couple for a possible restoration video. I'm currently recovering, if you can tell it in my voice, from a heavy cold, and my back decided to pop over the weekend, resulting in difficulty walking and a lot of pain. So, I'm hoping to get through the show without coughing too much, making the edit a further pain. So, uh, I think that's enough of me for now. Shall we move on to uh, what we're going to do this month?
0: It's so lovely to hear you laughing about all that. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> well, you you've got, got you- through two funerals, you've got maybe one ahead of you, you've got your back out of. And you've got a bad cold
1: besides, and you're just laughing. <laughs> like I say, it's life, isn't it? It you've is. Get on with it. I'm getting. My wife's my wife's full of it as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. Um, as you know, my mother is getting up there. Okay, let's move on. Updates, a new section where we discuss what we have learned about distros we've already reviewed. Pearl Desktop 8 had lost its server and website, but it has been replaced. I may have been somewhat instrumental in that, but my friendly web host avers it was not his hosting.
1: Yeah, Fedora 31 was released um, the day before this is being recorded. I'm probably going to download it and have a look at it in a VM. I I reviewed, I think it was Fedora 29. 29 Uh, and
0: 30. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it probably was 29 and 30 a while back. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what new features are in Fedora 31.
0: Bodhi 5.0.0 has had a couple of updates. Remember my problem getting the ARNR settings for my external monitor used to load at boot? Well, now there's a button in ARNR save to Bodhi startup. And with my new installation of Bodhi on the Galago Pro 2, I have learned that the updater program, Eepdater, seems to have all or at least a lot more of its bugs worked out and functions well on my system, putting it ahead of KDE's Discover, lest I use that. And one listener to the show has installed Solus with Softmaker, Office, Mulvad, and the MFC-J491-DW printer support, which are the three things that kept me from using Solus. Perhaps I will soon try Solus again. Anything to add, Tony?
1: No, can't think of anything just at the minute.
0: Okay, on to this month's first distro, MX Linux 19, Beta 2.1 and final.
1: Right, so as you've heard I've been testing MX Linux. Um, it started off the month with the uh, beta 2.1 and as Moss said it's uh, it's gone to full release so uh, I also installed the 19 candidate, and I used a dual boot for that so uh, we'll come to that in a minute. Usual information, I've been installing this on my Toshiba Portage Z30, which is my test machine, and the specifications for that are in the show notes. I won't bore everyone with those again, because it's exactly the same as last month. So, another point... About MX Linux, which uh, is worth a mention, is it's also available as a 32 bit system. So, although I tested the 64 bit ISO, if you have older 32 bit PCs around and you want to to keep them current, this is one distro that still supports that hardware. So, installation is fairly straightforward. If uh, you're using the whole drive, after starting the installation process, you get the option to select your keyboard. Uh, and whatever variant of that keyboard that you want to use. The next screen gives you the option to use the Partition Manager, or to use the whole disk. If you wish to use a dual boot, and you've not already set up the partition for this, then you will need to use the Partition Manager option to create a partition to install MX Linux alongside the existing OS. Uh, If you choose this option, you're going to get a Gparted GUI. And This would need knowledge of using disk this, this, this partition utility to enable a dual boot, by shrinking the current partition and using the freed space to create a partition for the OX, or whatever other installation you want to install on that particular partition. If you've not already backed up your data on the existing OS, this could be a risky operation. Also, new or those fairly new users to Linux may not be familiar with the manual partitioning. So I wonder why the maintainers have not moved to a more user-friendly way of repartitioning the drive for dual boots. As I've already said, warning: any repartitioning of a drive to create free disk space can result in data loss. So, if wanting to dual boot with another OS, back up all your data on on the current install before embarking on the jill boot install
0: that's really good advice i will say i've gotten so used to using g and i've used it over and over and over for many years and it has gone finally to 1.0 is it
1: i'm not sure um,
0: i have never yet lost data
1: i haven't but it is still a risk and they do advise that if you're going, if you're going to uh, shrink a partition and uh, create a new one that you back up the data for the uh, current os
0: I'm just saying if we're going to scare new users, we should scare them a little bit
1: less. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good practice states you should be backing up anyway. So, after you've done that, um, so after setting up your install drive, you move on to choosing where to put the bootloader. If you're unfamiliar with this, go to the default options. The following screens are setting up the network ID name for the PC location and username and password while setting the username etc there is an option to retain any changes you made in the live session this is handy of using wi-fi and you have made changes to the desktop layout to suit you as when you ticked you will you will have these saved to uh, the install when you reboot after this you're done. It will take a minute or so to install the bootloader and then you see the finished message you can restart and boot into your new installation of MX. Post installation hardware facts and issues On reboot of the OS after install you should be presented with a welcome menu which has a number of options, one of which is to tweak settings including your panel. You can also access the tools menu from the welcome menu and this has lots of tools for configuring the system including Grub customizer which is called boot options. While most of these tools are available for other distros, this just makes them very easy to access out of the box, so a great choice on the MX maintainers to include this. Note, if you switch off the show this at startup, just type welcome it in the search the, uh, search on the menu and you will find it. One other thing you can do is add your audio and video codecs from this menu. These are not included by default for licensing and other reasons, but they're just a click away. As for hardware, during the five weeks or so running MX on this PC, everything just worked. Although, as you know, I have no fancy graphics or other hardware that might be problematic on this or other Linux distributions. My only problem during the whole month was a bug in the beta which, when in the non-System D boot, on starting a reboot resulted in the system jumping to the login screen and hanging for a few seconds before the re- reboot cycle. When I was in the System D boot option, and yes, you can decide to use System D or be System D free or not, so that's a that's a kudos for the uh, maintainers. But it, when you were in the System D boot, this bug didn't occur. This was reported and a response recognising this as an issue was received and what they said was while they'd like to fix it they were honest honest enough to admit that they weren't sure how to so it was not, as it wasn't a critical bug, it was on the to-do list Well, they did figure it out (laughs) because it's no longer an issue with this this laptop on the full uh, release ISO seems to have been fixed Ease of use, well it's Debian under the hood, so as long as uh, as a long-term user of Debian-based systems, it was very easy OS to use. All the command-line tools are, as as you would expect, are apt, based, and you get synaptic out of the box. So if you're used to a Debian-based system, you won't have any issues with MX-19. Application issues. I didn't have any when booted into SystemD option, but if you using non-SystemD boot, then you will not be able to install SnapD and run Snap packages. Other than that, I was able to run all my software that I use on a regular basis. If installing from the Debian repositories, then as this release is based on Debian Buster, all your software will be the versions available for Buster. However, if you need the latest version of a package for new features, then you can probably find it as a snap or a flat pack package. Okay, memory use. On first boot, the system is using about 650 meg of memory. And I've got eight gig of RAM installed, so I'm very happy with this. Also, a clean install only uses about five gig of the eight of an eight gig virtual hard drive, and 400 megab- uh, megabytes of uh, a four gig RAM in virtual box. So this is an OS that is definitely old, old hardware friendly. Ease of finding help as the old uh, the only problem I came across was the bug which, as I've already stated, I reported. I didn't use the community, but from the comments of others uh, and knowing that they aim to be very user-friendly, I don't think you will have any issues if you ask for help on the forums.
0: I've had experience with the uh, user forum here also, and they have always been very friendly.
1: Yeah, Dolphin was uh, really good when he responded to my bug um, and you know, quite categorically said he wasn't sure. You know, in the in the email that he wasn't sure what the problem was, but they would keep an eye on it. So yeah, it was yeah. I I can't think of any reason why that the uh, forums and uh, the community isn't friendly. I know one or two people who are involved in uh, in them plays nice with others. Setting up a dual boot was easy for an experienced user, but I would would worry that this might put off an inexperienced person wishing to start using Linux with mx19. I would love to see one of the slider style repartitioning tools as with Mint to create the space for a dual boot on on the drive rather than using GParty GUI to do this. And I know it's uh, GParted and all that underneath the hood but uh, it just makes it slightly easier. Stability. What can I say? It's Debian. <laughs> Other than that, it's rocks. It's as solid as Mount Everest. Uh, I can't think of what more to say because I didn't have any problems with the system at all during uh, during the five weeks or so I've been using it.
0: We tend to repeat ourselves on that topic a lot. I can recall saying that about Q Four OS last time. <laughs> Debian is Debian. Everything that is any good is based on Debian or Red Hat. Uh, it works. It works. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so my ratings for MX19, ease of installation, new user, I've given it 6 out of 10, I might be being a bit kind there, because it's the first distro I've come across that uses GParted as the way of creating the partition space for a dual boot, but anyway, I've given it 6 out of 10. Experienced Linux user, 10 out of 10, it shouldn't be an issue for someone who's experienced and knows how to... Work the way around a partition manager if you want to do a dual boot. Hardware issues, 10 out of 10, didn't have any. Ease of finding help, I've given it 8 out of 10 because I didn't particularly look for the uh, the forums but I know a fair few people in the community and uh, I know the forums are easily accessible. Ease of use, 10 out of 10. Plays nice with others, I've given it 8 out of 10 because once, once you've got the dual boot set up, it works fine. Stability ten out of ten, so my overall rating goes to nine out of ten. So similar distros to check out: um, Mint Debian Edition, Antix, which is uh, part of the uh, MX community. Debian Buster, obviously, because it's based on that. Deepin Q4OS. And to let you know, I found a list of 57 distros based on Debian, and I've put a a link in the show notes to that for you to check it out. So there's a lot of them out there. My final comments. Uh, Apart from my niggle with the installer and its handling of dual booting, this is a fantastic spin on Debian Buster. Also, you get the option to run SystemD or not as is your preference. So this solves an issue of having to, it's available if wanted and those that still have an issue with System D can choose not to run it. This is definitely a keep-in-the-toolbag distro for me. Great job by the maintainers and all those involved in the project. Keep up the great work. So unless Moss has got anything further uh, on MX-19? Uh,
0: well, I just might. Uh, as I said, I've I've run mx in the past. I think uh, 17 and 18 I have played with. They are very well put together. I do have problems when I don't run systemd. There are a number of things that just don't want to run that apparently need systemd, and sometimes I have had problems uh, enabling systemd. I know it's just a click box or a click on the boot up, but uh, still, it's a great distro. uh, if you like XFCE, which you didn't talk about at all,
1: uh, <laughs> that's true. I, for, um, I forgot all about the desktop <laughs> environment.
0: <laughs> at any rate, it
1: just works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: if, if you're a fan of X, X, XFCE, you will love this distro. Uh, and if you're a non fan of System D, you will love this distro even more.
1: Yeah just to say the xfce is uh, a great great desktop environment on this i do believe you can install other desktop environments if you wish to but my suggestion would be to stick with the uh, base install because it just works so shall we move over to you moss and uh, look at mandriva lx4 why not
0: Okay, OpenMandriva LX4. I ran OpenMandriva LX4 on my Lenovo IdeaPad 110 15 ACL 80TJ with 4 gigs RAM and a 500 gig hard drive. I also eventually tried it out on my Kudu 3, which has uh, a 500 gig hard drive, has 16 gigs of RAM, uh, and is all Intel chips whereas the IdeaPad is all AMD chips. Installation. For me, an installation includes the full installation and all updates. If I can manage it, I then replace LibreOffice, if provided, with SoftMaker Office, install my preferred VPN, which this month was PIA, and set up Grub Customizer, if available, or other Grub management, and then install my printer, a Brother MFC J491DW, a simple matter on DEB and RPM distros, not so much on others. I usually try to install Stacer so I can get good stats and a few extra controls. Open Mandriva is a second-level derivative from Mandriva, being developed from Rosa. It is a community edition, as opposed to the developer edition, Magia, or the professional, Rosa, and has the desktop user firmly in mind. As such, it has more in common with PC Linux OS, which left the Mandriva project before the original went away. I've spoken before about my issues with LX4, I now have the machines I need to be doing a single installation, so I wanted to try OM4 first. I did a normal installation and it went well, until I rebooted. There was no boot menu that came up. I burned a disk of Super Grub 2 and booted from that, which then allowed me to use OpenMandriva. fine. I tried using Super Grub 2 to write a new Grub, but couldn't find the right tool to do that. It's supposed to be in there. I approached the OpenMandriva forum, got a few ideas, and tried them, still nothing. So I threw in the towel and loaded Linux Mint 19.2 as a dual boot, and it found OM4 and I could boot to it. I then acquired Grub Customizer and moved OM4 to the first boot. I will say the OM4 people were a little miffed that I didn't wait for a complete solution, but my idea is you've got to get the machine to work first. I really have not spent the time necessary for a completely thorough review. This month has been less than stellar for me in a number of ways, none of which I intend to open at this time. Post-installation hardware issues. October 5th, at 11.56, I started to attempt a full install of OpenMandriva LX4. I first tried to install without seeing there was not a Wi-Fi connection. I made the Wi-Fi connection and it took several minutes looking for some file. I stopped the install, rebooted, set the Wi-Fi, and started the install. It found the file. I told it to overwrite everything. Everything else was in place. I got the error that it failed to create a partition. At 12.11, I got my gparted disk out, rebooted to it, set the partitions, 4096 Linux swap, remainder at ext4, finished at 12.23. Started OM4 again, did manual partition, selected SDA2 with swap being SDA1. I completed that at 12.35 and rebooted, but it didn't boot. The boot manager can't find the grub, so as I said I downloaded Grub2 and got that fixed. On the Kudu 3, I had installed Linux Mint and told OM4 to overwrite it for a single boot experience. It got to the part of writing the changes to the disk, and exactly like it did on the idea pad before I ran GParted, said it could not create the partition. It did not wipe the Linux Mint partition at this point, so I still had that running. After trying several things with the help of friends, I once again gave up and installed it as a dual boot, leaving Linux Mint on the machine. It worked fine. I have boot in the beautiful OM4 boot screen. The odd part about the installer not wanting to install as a single boot system is that the IdeaPad is set up for legacy boot, but the Kudu 3 is set up UEFI. I have most things installed. The printer install process went well, but no test print on either machine. This is an issue I have had in the past with OM3, and there is a fix I know exists. I have not been able to install Telegram or Discord. Actually, that got fixed later on. I don't know why I didn't fix my script. Installing PIA went as planned, but it can't seem to connect to any of its nodes. That I could not fix. I also tried setting up the firewall, but none of the options look like any other firewall I've seen, so it could be very easy to mess up if I haven't already. Ease of use. OM4 is as nice as a distro can be. However, if you're a Debian or Ubuntu user, you will need to learn how to use DNF in Terminal or the installer DNF Dragora. It's not as graphical as, say, Synaptic, or certainly not as graphical as the uh, installers, the the program managers in other Ubuntu-type distros. It's learnable. After that, it should be a piece of cake. Any difficulties I have experienced are a combination of my own ignorance and the fact that I have not taken the time to go to the forum and ask questions. Further, SnapD and Flatpak are not supported. I still managed to get Telegram Desktop installed properly with the help of a few listeners, Crypto Dan, Peter Jones, Gabar, and Leo Chavez, and finally got Discord installed. Memory use on the Kudu 3: Stacer reports 622 megabytes of RAM usage and 8.2 gigabytes of disk space used. I will point out this distro uses Plasma. Plasma has had a bad rap for years as being resource heavy people, it's not. 622 megabytes, that's as light as what uh, XFCE was in Tony's review of MX.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot about uh, the improvement of Plasma as far as uh, memory use goes, so it might be one worth checking out at some stage for one of our distro reviews.
0: Ease of finding help. The Open Mandriva forum has nine active admins, 10 moderators, and a total forum membership of 354. Unlike many other forums, this number seems to only include current members, so you should be able to get quick answers for your issues. If you find yourself really liking Open Mandriva, you should get involved in the community. More busy hands can only make this great distro better. Plays nice with others. Open Mandriva is one of the best distros out there, but it is best used as a single installation or no more than dual. Over the past two months, I've already talked too much about my issues trying to install this in a multi-boot situation, some of which is why I have my new computers. On the positive side, the boot menu is one of the loveliest out there, and if OM4 was your last boot, you'll be quite happy. Stability. No stability issues have been noted. This is the latest version of one of the earliest distros, forked from Red Hat before Fedora was even a thing, so there should be no stability issues. Similar distros to check out, Rosa, PC Linux OS, Magia. Other distros which may be nearly as beautifully designed include Perl Desktop 8 and Deepin. Ratings. Ease of installation for a new user, I gave it a 4. For an experienced user, I gave it a 7. Hardware issues, 9 out of 10. Ease of finding help, 9 out of 10. Ease of use, 9 out of 10. That might be high because, again, you have to learn DNF and DNF Tragora if you don't know them already. Plays nice with others, 5 out of 10. Stability, 9 out of 10. Overall rating, 7 out of 10. Final comments. As i said many times, Mandrake was the first Linux distro I was ever successful at running, so it's always good to revisit later versions and see where it is going. Open Mandriva only suffers from lack of users, but those users are committed and very active, so it should continue to have a great development path. For whatever reason, I had fewer issues with 3.03, but once you get 4 running, it is by far a better experience. I will continue to revisit this over time and hope to install it again in the future. new releases this month uh, since our september twenty sixth episode i'm going in reverse order in other words the newest update first fedora thirty one arco nineteen point eleven point three alt 9.0, s d r p one point nine five ghost b s d nineteen point ten voyager nineteen point ten archbang twenty five ten smart o s 2019 1024, Clonezilla 2.6.6 10, KDE Neon 2019 1024, Xtix 19.10, PrimTux 5, Septor 2019.6, MX 19, Archman 2019 10, Tails 4.0, Alpine 3.10.3, 4M Linux 30.1, Pop OS 19.10, Volume I.O. 2.657, or Volumio, PC Linux OS 2019.10, Ubuntu Kylan 19.10, Ubuntu Budgie 19.10, Antix 19, some people call that Antix, Lubuntu 19.10, Kubuntu 19.10, Ubuntu Mate 19.10, Zubuntu 19.10, Ubuntu Studio 19.10, Ubuntu 19.10, OpenBSD 6.6, Newtix 11.2, Zivnet 5.10.1 Community Edition, Nix OS 19.09, Sparky Linux 5.9, and Solid x k ten
1: I think the reason there's so many this month is because of the release of Ubuntu nineteen ten yeah, and so many of those are based on nineteen ten
0: well, if you look at last month's, it was quite as long
1: <laughs> yeah, probably
0: there's a lot it really speaks well to the activity of the Linux community, of course, some of that it was also b s d
1: yeah, yeah, so that's good. Shall we move on to feedback?
0: Let's move on to feedback.
1: So the first piece of feedback this month is from Cubicle Nate. um, And he's one of the Susie uh, team. And he uh, wrote... I appreciate the honest review of OpenSUSE, I just wanted to add some notes. The aptitude compatibility package is called Zyper-Aptitude, it translates all the commands I threw at it, but it, I wouldn't consider myself an aptitude power user. When it comes to desktop selection there are all, almost all available in OpenSUSE and accessible from the uh, installer itself although it does not present the options as easy as some of the others. You can customise the package selection before committing and select a desktop pattern for alternative desktops or if you want a more minimal installation. There is not a graphical app centre as you might see in some distros for OpenSUSE. You can use Discover in Plasma, but an even better option would be to use uh, HTTPS uh, slash slash software dot dot org slash explore. Here you can search for applications and use the direct install option for whatever application it is you would like to that are available. It should be also noted that you're able to use snaps and flat packs as well as app images. Consequently, you have access to a pretty wide breadth of software. For better or worse, you didn't get a chance to get to know the community, though through the forums. It is also almost unfortunate, and in brackets, I think, that you didn't have a problem. You couldn't take there, because the forum is chock full of incredibly technically proficient, kind and helpful people. If you're up for it, I wouldn't mind digging into the issue you're having with Discord on OpenSUSE. I can't replicate the problem but problem-solving is a fun activity, so hit me up in Discord if you need it. Thanks for the podcast. So I responded, and I responded via Discord. Hi Nate, thanks for the feedback on the show regarding OpenSUSE, Tumbleweed. We always aim to be fair and open-minded as possible on the refuse, and I'm glad you thought it was so. As for the issue with Discord, unfortunately I've already nuked. The installation and installed MX19 Beta 2.1 to review for the next episode, as I'm aiming to use the same hardware for each of my reviews as most does, to give a fair comparison. As for snaps and flat packs, yes, I use snap to install GetIPlayer, as on OpenSuse this is the easy way to install it, as I'm not into self-compiling. But you are correct. Uh, and I should have made it clear that these were the options in OpenSUSE. As for desktop environments, I knew I could get Mate if I wanted from the repos, but I'm beginning to uh, feel quite at home in XFCE, and I've stuck with it in MX as well, so it wasn't a major issue for me. So that was the response. It wasn't the end of the conversation, but there's far too much to reproduce here, and probably half of it wasn't relevant. We just ended up having quite a natter over Discord.
0: And for those of you who live in other climes, you might think of that as a zipper aptitude. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> okay, okay.
0: From Anonymous about episode two. I think I got a proper printer information from your article because I faced different issues but could not solve the issues in my printer, but your tips was so informative for me. I had a new issue that was Canon printer error 5200 pop-up notification shown in my system screen. Can I got any solution for this error? I think I responded to this person that... No, I don't think I responded. It was It's nice to hear that other people are wanting us to install the printer. Some people do forget that in their reviews. Um, Canon printers are iffy. They're supposed to work for Linux, but if they don't, there's nobody you can go to for help. If you call Canon, they say, we don't even pay somebody to know about Linux. So you figure it out, or you don't. Uh, in my case, I returned my Canon printer and bought a brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my brother's printer that uh, that's in the corner over there as well, because that works out of the box. <laughs> so other feedback, uh, we've had... Not so much feedback, but we've had lots of uh, conversations on Telegram, and there was a recent Telegram discussion on the merits of using VirtualBox v bare metal installs, um, and there were several people in, uh, involved in that conversation, and uh, I think the reason we decided to go with uh, bare metal installs, and Mossel will uh, probably back me up on this, is Absolutely. that... Yeah, we w- we wanted it to be a true reflection of what it was going to be like in a working environment. Uh, but it doesn't mean to say there aren't virtues of using VirtualBox or other uh, virtual machine technology to test out distros. One of the things I did suggest in the Telegram conversation was using a live ISO to test the hardware. Um and that gives you a good idea about whether your hardware will work after install. Although that isn't a perfect solution, as was pointed out by one of the uh, Telegram members. You know, sometimes you can do an in- install after finding everything working with a live uh, disk and on the reboot into the install uh, that you've just put in. Uh, something doesn't work. So it isn't always 100% uh, necessarily perfect, but it is one way of looking at uh, testing the hardware you've got. Any comments, Moss?
0: I will point out that one of the strengths of our show is that neither Tony nor I are computer professionals. We don't know IT. We don't know programming. We aren't gamers. We just can give a new user a better experience of what it's like to put distro on their computer
1: yeah i think that's pretty fair uh i would i would say that i've been using you've been using linux for a long time and i've been using linux for a long time so we're probably more than just noobs but uh as you say neither of us are it professionals so we do come at it from a slightly different perspective to some people out there doing similar shows or youtube videos on distro testing
0: well, if anyone mistakes me for a computer professional, they haven't listened to this show. The, the problems I run into are clearly those of someone that doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, but that's the, that's the fun of doing all this as well.
0: Absolutely. If we weren't crazy, we wouldn't be doing uh, distro hopping.
1: <laughs> no, nope, that's right. Okay, is there anything else that we want to talk about in the feedback section? Or I don't we think so. On?
0: Let's wrap this thing up. Okay. Announcements. We are still hoping to produce a user-only show, DistroHopper's Digest User Edition. We have posted the criteria to be used in your review on the blog – At distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com, we did not get any submissions in October.
1: So if you do want to submit a review, please submit it in FLAC format if you can, but we will accept MP3s, but uh, do the best you can. Submitting a script of what you said will also help our listeners, but it's not required. Please send your submissions to distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com.
0: I am really grateful for the response I've had to my pleas of poverty. I am now using two System76 machines for future episodes. I have also been given a Raspberry Pi 2B+, Plus, and I hear that Tony has managed to ship me a Raspberry Pi 3B. I have an account at Sponsus, which is open source and is kind of like Patreon. Michael Tonnell uses this. My Sponsus is at https colon slash slash org slash Zyvala. I have no sponsors as yet and have no idea what premiums to offer. You tell me what you want and I'll see what I can do. Please tell me if you want your name used on the show, whether you make a sponsors, PayPal, or direct donation. Our next show will be recorded on December 4th, maybe the 5th, 2019. Visit our website at distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Discord, and Telegram at our, at our Mintcast groups. And please contact us at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com if you have any comments or distro suggestions.
1: Before we go, we would also like to thank all those who make this project possible starting with the Mintcast podcast team for
0: allowing us to
1: use their mumble server.
0: Archive.org for storing and helping to
1: distribute this program. Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros. We have reviewed this episode.
0: Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license.
1: Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stallman for the GNU toolkit, and for all those who've worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libri software. And
0: thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next episode. Thank all of you for listening.